Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. On today's episode, this brand new episode for you guys, I'm going to be looking at one of my favourite films so far of 2022. I have many, but this one honestly has got to be my absolute standout that I have seen so far. I've seen a few, I'll give a few name shout outs here. Yeah, I've seen the Jurassic World Dominion, Lightyear, I will be bringing you an episode on Lightyear soon as well, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and various other films as well that I've seen during this year as well, be they in the cinema or not. But this one, purely from a cinema perspective, was just absolute gold. Now, obviously I'm being a bit controversial because a lot of people, the film I'm talking about today, as you can tell by the title, uh, is the biopic Elvis, which is directed by the Australian auteur Baz Luhrmann, who I absolutely adore and love. He is known for um, various films. He's only done six feature films, so this being his sixth one, but he's done Strictly Ballroom, his debut, and then Romeo and Juliet, where basically you get guns, cars, gangsters, and 90s style MTV generation Shakespeare, but with Shakespearean dialogue, reinventing the musical with Moulin Rouge, with lots and lots of vast cutting pace stuff. The historical epic Australia, which wasn't as good in my opinion, it was a little bit flat for me, but that's just my opinion. Uh, and then the adaptation of the F. Scott Fitzgerald novel, The Great Gatsby in 2013, which is still my number one film ever that I absolutely adore. Elvis is great, but it doesn't quite take over doesn't quite overtake The Great Gatsby then in that respect for my top favourite films. But this film does do a really good job. Uh, it's got great cinematography, as you can expect. A lot of fast-paced editing, as you can also expect by Baz Luhrmann's usual style. But this film is also the second in the uh, deal that... I can't remember how many films that he signed on to do, but El Baz Luhrmann has basically done... This is the second film with Warner Brothers. All the previous films he's done with 20th Century Fox or... 20th century studios so that uh basically he's on a new era then shall we say and hopefully we see another one in the next maybe 10 years because uh, he does take his time to make his films or baz uh with or without a pandemic in the middle of them might i add this film elvis it says it all in the title elvis presley uh starring austin butler as elvis presley tom hanks as elvis's manager for the majority of his career really entirety really uh, as colonel tom parker will get more into his character later in the episode and other notable things as well there's loads of other people in this but names that i immediately see in the cast list uh Dakri montgomery who if you love stranger things he is billy from stranger things uh, and also he was in the uh, broken hearts gallery film uh, a while ago i think it was 2021 2020 it came out uh, and then uh, he plays steve binder who plays a semi-important role, I would say, at one point in Elvis's career. I'll get into that in a minute. And then there's also Priscilla Presley, the famed wife of Elvis as well, played by Olivia de Jange. I think that's how you say her name. And then, basically, this film is a wild, wild ride. It's very much like The Great Gatsby and the other films where you mix the music genres up. So The Great Gatsby was set in the 1920s. We had hip-hop rap music in there as well as traditional 20s jazz this film is set in the, across a three-decade span, but 20 years, really, but in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And you get classic Elvis music, but you get a lot of modern-day music to, as Baz Luhrmann says, to help audiences, or modern-day audiences, understand how people of the time felt when these pieces of music, these artists like Elvis, the king of rock and roll himself, how they felt 
and what it meant to them, but in a modern context kind of way. But there you go. But for now, before we continue on to this episode, remember to keep following our social medias. We are becoming more and more active as we go on. And um, we absolutely adore seeing your interactions and I love getting feedback and such. So I'm glad to be back and I hope to see you soon on Take97's Instagram, Twitter, the lot. So just keep following us and we'll share some stuff with you there. So let's just get started on the episode then and the rest of the review. So just to give you a quick brief lowdown of the plot and the outline of the film, um, whilst the film primarily centres on Elvis Presley and is set in a mixture of the 1950s through to the 1960s and the 1970s, which ends in Elvis's untimely death, we do start the film off in 1997, where we are greeted by Tom Hanks's character, Colonel Tom Parker. His character in 1997 is in Las Vegas on uh, in a hospital on his deathbed, and he basically recounts to us, the audience, how he met Elvis Presley and how Elvis came to become the famous icon that he became, uh, and how basically Colonel Tom Parker assisted in that. The opening sequence itself is, so like I said, 90s based, and we see lots of shots of Colonel Tom Parker looking very bedraggled and going through, walking through various uh, casinos in Vegas, and basically just sort of looking an absolute mess between shots of him on his deathbed, and he's going between gambling his money away, all his you know, money that he doesn't have, as we all discover later in the film. And the montage, it sort of spins around. We go around Vegas in this very weird, trippy sense, and like we, the camera sort of zooms and pans around. I mean, I think a lot of this is CG created anyway as well, but we go around in a big swooping motion through the streets of Las Vegas, through the casino scenes, and we follow Tom Parker in a very abstract way. I would say the editing style of this opening sequence is very similar to the openings of The Great Gatsby, previous work, and also Moulin Rouge as well, especially Moulin Rouge with the way it sort of goes very quickly and moves, like, footage is sped up, footage is slowed down a bit, it, it, just like it was in The Great Gatsby as well, and I just think it's that stamp that this is a Baz Luhrmann film, welcome to the crazy circus show. So, in a way, we also see, it's like a montage as well, so we see, like, little clips of things from in the film itself and back in time, as it were, but forwards, obviously, because we haven't seen them in the film yet. Uh, and it's, like I said, the editing style and just the way it's done is very much similar to Gatsby and Moulin Rouge. And obviously, Colonel Tom Parker's recounting how he came to know Elvis Presley and how he basically became the man that he is at that point during the film. So we go back to the 1950s, we experience how... Uh, Elvis, as a young boy, grew up when he was much younger as well, idolising Captain Marvel Jr. and wanting to be like a superhero, essentially. How he was raised a certain way, a very religious family. Uh, and then, you know, everything seemed to be going not too well for Elvis and his family because his dad was in that jail kind of thing. And it's something, you know, we get the whole family set up at the beginning and then we follow the story kind of chronologically in a way we do have this is the one criticism i'd say about the film is that we kind of flip back and forth between young child elvis and also t colonel tom parker himself and then elvis we have that shot that's in the trailer where he's like leaning in that black open neck shirt where he's leaning at a ferris wheel like a fairground or something and colonel tom parker approaches him from behind 
we kind of get a little in between sort of flip back and forth of that i don't really know what's going on there but then the film becomes a little bit more linear as we go on most of the time the film does focus on adult elvis we don't sort of bother too much of he was a young boy from mississippi you know all that stuff that we all know from like any book that you can read on elvis or any documentary you can watch on elvis uh, you get that sort of out of the way fairly quickly just to focus on this relationship that colonel tom parker has with elvis it, he's like a pt barnum style figure he models himself on pt barnum but of the era and he's got this traveling show and there's a guy called hank snow who is like his lead act then his headline act but then as soon as he discovers elvis as he says elvis becomes more and more prevalent in his shows and then soon colonel tom parker suggests that he represents him exclusively and hank snow gets annoyed and just leaves just buggers off somewhere else (laughs) and uh, has had enough of tom parker's treatment of him and everything like that and then we focus more on elvis and his appearance in the media he he kind of it really does sort of show that elvis became a big deal overnight with no real like because you know you get celebrities these days they do one big thing and like oh they're amazing they're famous or like a specific manager or brand promotes them because they want to make them a star that's what tom parker was doing but at the same time he just kind of come out came out of nowhere and became this overnight sensation and all the ladies loved him that's demonstrated in one of his earliest gigs where he's wearing a a pink suit, the famous pink suit, playing guitar at a gig, and he gets swarmed by a load of female fans and everyone screams and goes crazy for him. And then literally we start from there and I don't know, he offers, Tom Parker offers Elvis this opportunity to take him on as and him be his agent and kind of thing and his promoter and etc., and they get on like a house on fire. But the film sort of tosses and turns between them getting on and them not getting on. There's moments where Elvis is going to leave him. Like even when he gets with Priscilla Presley, when you know his future wife, when they get married, Priscilla Presley, she tries to encourage him to go out and do what he wants to do and leave Parker behind. And it often gets turned on its head and he goes right back into his pocket again. I just think that... It's a very sad, tragic tale that Elvis is in a constant state of imprisonment. So he's always trapped by one man. He he never at one point, he never, although there was contracts that bound him to certain agreements and such, and there were even times where he thought he could actually get out of it. He was always trapped by this one man who really tried his luck and somehow managed to make something of this young kid from Mississippi who didn't quite fit in but then became really popular across the globe and essentially that's all the film is about really it's all about Elvis's rise to fame and fall but at the same time it doesn't go with conventional biopics where you focus purely purely on him you focus on him but you also focus on his reactions to the political struggles of the time so for instance Elvis was big in the 60s, well, 50s and 60s, and there was a lot of, obviously, civil rights movements going on, demonstrations and issues of discussions of segregation, etc., were going on at the time, and he is a person of importance and an icon of his status, even then, was really important to him for him to be showing himself as a 
main key player and saying, I don't stand for this kind of thing. And when he was sort of slowly going downhill, there is a key moment in the film, which is a reenactment of the 1968 comeback special. Um, he does a medley of, of a load of his greatest hits all together. And he sort of comes back and that's the Elvis that you all know and love kind of thing and reintroduces himself to the audience after he gets a little bit lost down the way because prior to this we see him going into the army i didn't realize that he was actually forced to go into the army because he was in the eyes of the world a troublesome young man who was causing way too much issues within the world because of his sensational movements that he used to do at his shows and, you know, he was forced into the army, but then he met Priscilla Presley at that point. The history of how old, obviously, Priscilla Presley is a, a, was a lot younger than Elvis Presley. Uh, but that is dusted over very lightly because, I mean, it's not that Baz Luhrmann, I think, is trying to avoid that conversation. It's more, I think, he wanted other aspects of Elvis's life to take priority. You could do a film all about Elvis's love life, but... This is kind of the bare basic of that side of the relationship is presented. And then next thing you know, you know, they get together. We see them sort of their relationship blossom. And then we continue to see him grow as a person. And you get this 1968 comeback special once he gets back into the world of show business. He does a few movies. We see his Hollywood career in basic. And then once you're over with like you know the stuff like viva las vegas jailhouse rock we see a bit of a montage of all the films that he did and posters and clips and images of him in the films doing what he did in hollywood just to sort of claim back some sort of good boy image that parker was trying to create and then we lead on to him being instated in las vegas now before we get into the las vegas shows i just want to point out one of my highlights from early on so when he's before he gets sent away to the army to straighten him out as it were um i do love the fact that the some of the images like you get black and white footage as well it's not all in color um so when he gets his head shaved and his new haircut for the army it's all in black and white it looks very gritty and realistic nice close up there on austin butler's face i absolutely love that the cinematography so mandy walker did the cinematography on this film and I genuinely think there's some brilliant, brilliant shots in this film. Like so many images, you can just click pause and they make brilliant posters straight from there. Some amazing images there from both Baz Luhrmann and Mandy Walker's collaboration on creating the film. But like I said, the early one of my highlights, so music is a big thing in this film. The music of Elvis, but also modern music added in there as well. Be it for instrumental between scenes underneath the voiceover of Tom Parker, or even just to help sit the mood of a scene then. We get versions of Hound Dog, a couple of different versions of Hound Dog. Not the classic one you might know, it ain't nothing but Hound Dog with Elvis Presley, but you also get like a duet kind of with Elvis Presley and a a singer in like a little sort of speakeasy club kind of place. I've forgotten what it's called, but a bar basically in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's just a really sort of expressive moment to see the roots of Elvis's music in rhythm and blues and then how he made it into what it was for his own audience. But then we see this early version. So Austin Butler does actually sing some of the songs in the film of Elvis Presley and one of which I'm very impressed with and I just, it's so catchy. I think it's more the music rather than his voice but he sounds so much like Elvis. He's done a really good job on it but it's a song called Trouble and it's basically him rebelling 
because they say to him, oh, he has to be the new Elvis, a really light-hearted, very easy-on-the-eyes Elvis that's not the edgy, hip-shaking, gyrating young man that people have got used to and it's caused so much controversy. So we get to see him go on to this, like, uh, it's nice as well because the political balancing between Elvis and the politics, there's like a political rally going on the other side of town and then there's this performance of Elvis being shown and he goes, oh, I'm going to do the good guy image, but then he goes, no, I'm going to show you what the real Elvis is like tonight. And in a way, him rebelling against people telling him what to do, cross-cut with this political rally that's going on just across town, it kind of makes you feel like, you know, he's rebelling against what people want him to do and want him to be, but he's also, it's also showing the sense of he's clashing against the negative political ideologies that are being presented at the time. So segregation and stuff like that was a big thing at the time and issues of the civil rights movement were being brought straight into the limelight there. And Elvis was very much heartbroken by many of the events that happened. Like the film itself actually is really good at showing, I'm not sure how true it is, but showing Elvis deeply affected by the death of um, Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, all these, put, and the attempted assassination of Kennedy's brother as well, all these different things that we know happened at the time. It's showing that Elvis was aware and present of these things. And particularly there was a Christmas comeback, a uh, Christmas special, which was being arranged to be recorded. And Tom Parker was trying to show, even though at this point, I think it's by the 60s, this point is same time as the comeback special, I think. I always forget, but you get them together to record this Christmas special for the TV and we just got on over. So Trouble is like, you're looking for trouble and he gets arrested, sent to the army, that kind of thing. But then they accept Elvis for who he is and, you know, he's reformed in a way and he's this movie star who sings as well. And then obviously Elvis wants to go on and do different things. There's more rebelling and we get to see him do this Christmas special, which he keeps refusing to do because he approaches um, the character of, well, the person he approaches is Steve Binder, played by Dacry Montgomery, and a couple of the others who are, in Tom Parker's eyes, hippies, and he claims that the hippies have brainwashed Elvis into getting into all these political issues and discussions that are being had at the time. And he goes, that, that has nothing to do with us. Uh, and the famous, really good line that I think Austin Butler delivers is, it has everything to do with us. And I think that's a really good reflection on the use of gatekeepers, celebrities, and people in the limelight and the media, even today, that's why people feel they need to say what they need to say and need to be so involved with political and social issues, because if they don't, they're in places of power, they could do something, but they don't actually do anything if they just sit there and do their business. And Elvis is kind of, in this portrayal, it's showing that Elvis was really a key game changer and saying look celebrities are celebrities for a reason you know movie stars then at the time and music icons are these people of interest and power for a reason we need to show that we're not just using it for gratuitous money reasons which is why the clash between him and tom parker was so fiery because tom parker was all about making the money and promoting and being a success and also at the same time as well deep behind it as well he was trying to pay off a load of debts and trying to cement himself in the USA because he's actually of Dutch origin. 
but he's not he's actually an illegal immigrant in america and he wasn't actually he shouldn't have actually been there uh, he had no legal status within the united states but he just sort of made his way through there and lied about his parentage and his heritage and where he came from and that ultimately elvis was making him money so that he could stay afloat and stay in to keep up with his gambling habits as well which we obviously see him undertake at the beginning of the film even when he's like towards his deathbed as it were in the 90s in las vegas but political struggles were so key and i love like i said trouble is the rebellion to start with trouble the cover by austin butler is very electrifying and the song it just makes you feel cool just listening to it but the 1968 comeback sequence is really good as well where he's just sat down singing a load of his greatest hits and again making a statement live on television about what he wants to be and then finally we have this christmas special which the network producers are going to sue tom parker over because he's not doing what they'd agreed to he start elvis actually makes a point of singing a bunch of very politically charged songs in lieu of all of the, these events that are happening to make it clear that where he stands in the argument between you know what's right and what's wrong in the social justice or injustice of the world and i think the songs particularly you know if i can dream is just a brilliant song as well to sum that up really you know it's such a brilliant ballad that i think is shot and projected in this film so well but yeah those are my favorites of during the film as well another song i do have a highlight for um, it's on the credits but it's king and i by eminem and CeeLo green it's not particularly part of the film as such it's more for the credits but it's a great thing to sort of sum up the film it's got a little bit of bum bum i think it's jailhouse rock in the middle little sample there as well which i really enjoy uh it's just a fun song to listen to from the soundtrack but in terms of final songs we also have unchained melody which is actually sung by elvis presley in the film and it actually they use a selection of old footage so they use a sequence of old footage of the real elvis presley to conclude the film and it's footage of elvis at one of his final shows during his las vegas set he's put on lots of weight he's very pale um, but he gives a stoker of a performance and concludes with a great big massive applause and finish by the end of the the um song and that was just to sum up that was one of the last performances he ever did and then obviously everyone who knows elvis history will know that he died of a heart attack in his home at the age of, you know he in 1977 shortly before the film does actually cover the divorce between him and priscilla presley taking his daughter lisa marie away from him as well uh, that was in 1973 but the important thing about this is before his death they do reunite and they do see each other for the sake of lisa marie one of elvis's greatest fears that's expressed in the film which i think is very haunting is that he feared after he was gone he would be forgotten elvis would be forgotten once he was gone but the ironic thing about all of this is that colonel tom parker whilst he's remembered he's remembered for all the wrong reasons but it, only because people look into him most of the time i didn't even know colonel tom parker was a thing i didn't know who he was so that just shows i don't know who he is but elvis presley even though i'm not the biggest elvis presley fan although coming out of this film i feel like i transferred a little bit this you know this man is a legend whereas to colonel tom parker is 
you know, he has a legend attached to him, a mythos attached to him, but all for the wrong reasons. And you only know about him if you really invest your time in looking into him. Because otherwise, you just don't have a clue who he is. You mostly know Elvis Presley, the rock star. That's all you know. And yeah, the film itself, it just carries on with this very dramatic, very intense trajectory. Lots of close-ups, extreme close-ups, um, moments of great drama. The film itself is two hours and 40 minutes, I think, if I remember correctly. So it's a very long film. But there's a lot. They're fitting in three decades worth of stuff, 20 years, really, worth of material and a lot of contextual stuff of the time so it dealt with a lot so I felt like my verdict of this film it's got strong cinematography specifically for the musical sections I love the use of archive footage at the end of the film and also I think during the film as well they use little clips and images of Elvis himself the real Elvis not Austin's Elvis uh, I love the sort of cut and paste nature of like this collage that Baz Luhrmann has put together Elvis really is an Elvis Presley montage collage type piece it's a piece of art really it is you know Baz Luhrmann approaches his work very much like a painting he but it's a very chaotic painting very Pablo Picasso-esque in my opinion I think Baz Luhrmann is the Pablo Picasso of cinema because it's absurd strange but dramatic and also very purposeful in what he does it may be wacky in some places and very off the beat but it's done with a reason and that's why I love it so much. The music itself, I think, is the thing that anchors it for me. If it wasn't for the music and the intense focus on it, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much or would have stayed with it. But the story, I think, is so compelling that equally I would have stayed behind just to watch it anyway. But yeah, it's a story of a, a man, a boy, this fan of Captain Marvel Jr., grows up and becomes this great superhero himself. But he ends up getting trapped. And um, that's the one thing I'd say, actually. The use of archive footage towards the end, it kind of... It's very haunting because you see how Austin Butler portrays Elvis in his final years then. And we... Basically, for anyone who doesn't know and hasn't in the film, but you want to know, Elvis is basically booked on to be a headline act at Las Vegas at the new hotel at the time. And he... In the 1970s. And he's just trapped there. He is like late 60s, early 70s. He's signed on for this. And Colonel Tom Parker gets him, basically makes a deal with these businessmen to keep Elvis there so that it'll pay off all his debts and everything else, any investigations into him will be overlooked. His tab on the gambling circuit will be unlimited. And it's all, again, like I said, it's very selfish that, and, you know, Tom Hanks' character, you just really hate him by the end of it because it leads Elvis to having issues with sleep and energy and he ends up taking various drugs and drinking a lot and letting himself go but still performing and even though he's the showman at one point there's a scene I don't know how true it is but there's a scene in the film which actually he lashes out at the audience because he lashes out because he's been trapped uh, he wants to go on a world tour but he won't ever leave the Vegas circuit because of this deal that Tom Parker's made except for the fact that I think Colonel Tom Parker allows him to leave and do an American tour, but he doesn't let him go out of the country because security is an issue. Now, there are incident incidences when Elvis is attacked and there's attempts on his life and such, and you don't actually know whether they were staged or not. I don't know whether it's implied that they're meant to be staged by Colonel Tom Parker or not, I don't know. But I do think that... It's very sad how you see him at the prime of his career, very happy, very 
energized by the music and the motivations behind his movements so the political struggles and his involvement with you know his friends in the rhythm and blues circuit as well he's just a brilliant performer and austin butler does a brilliant job i think that's the thing i'd say my verdict to this film austin butler's performance is amazing tom hanks is rather annoying i mean that's his character but i think he is genuinely so annoying but i do think that you know, the music is great, it's electrifying, it makes you feel on an all-time high, and Butler's performance is very convincing. Tom Hanks, as irritating as he is, is the villain in this film. And it's ironic, because at the beginning of the film, we open up with Hanks saying, some people think I'm the villain of this story. And it's funny, because he doesn't see himself as the villain, but he is. Ultimately, that is how he's portrayed, that is the villainous side of the rock and roll king icon that is Elvis Presley and the man behind him that created him and eventually killed him because he didn't go on a world tour and he ended up getting so depressed that he wasn't able to leave. He kept thinking, oh, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave just one more year and he ends up getting stuck there and the tension of not being able to do what he wants is expressed by um, his wife Priscilla Presley and that's how the divorce comes to be. And I think the ultimate depression of Elvis led to that sentiment that he mentions to Priscilla that he's his greatest fear is he will never be remembered after he's gone. But that obviously is not the case. And I think the way a prison has been created for Elvis, because you've got this repetitive nature in the narrative, that he rises up, he wants to do something more, he goes to reach out and he gets dragged back in by Colonel Tom Parker. But he does so well at the next thing, rebels again, does his own thing, tries to get out, but then he's pulled back in again. And it's this constant tugging back in by Tom Hanks' character of Elvis Presley. And that's the narrative structure. It's all crazy, like a usual Baz Luhrmann film. But this story is a narrative of imprisonment, really. Imprisonment of an icon. And lots of icons of the era were treated as, you know, you've got Judy Garland, you've got Marilyn Monroe. There's actually a film called Blonde coming out in 2022 with Anna de Armas, I think, uh, coming out on Netflix, where she plays Marilyn Monroe. And how there's a great sentence that says, I don't feel like Marilyn Monroe. I'm Norma Jean. Even when I'm acting, I'm Norma Jean. Marilyn Monroe only exists on the screen. And I think Elvis Presley... Elvis Presley exists eternally, but he was forever trapped. That is the story, you know. Baz Luhrmann tells these great romantic but tragic tales. M Romeo and Juliet was a story of tragic love story. Strictly Borum isn't as such. There's, there's a bit of adversity, but there's more romance, more positivity in that. But, you know, there's a tragedy in the romance and the loss of true love in The Great Gatsby. The same with Moulin Rouge, the death of a lover. Australia is semi-happy but you've got a bit of tragedy because of the war as well i just think with elvis it's that tragedy of loss not because a lover has died but because they've been imprisoned uh, and a lot of baz Luhrmann's films imprison the main character or one of them due to doing something that they love or something that's meant to help them do what they love and in this case elvis was performing until he died uh, until he died very uh, an earlier age than you'd expect him to um, I want to say he died at the age of 42, but yeah, he just, a legend gone too soon. Uh, and this film closes out like he's imprisoned and then we go back to where it started, the original Elvis Presley. But yeah, my verdict on the film, 
the cinematography by Mandy Walker, amazing. Uh, the scripting, I think the beginning was a little bit muddled because we kept going back and forth a little bit. I mean, that might just be an editing choice, but it felt a little bit sort of random going back and forth. But Craig Pierce was on board with the writing along with Baz Luhrmann as well to write the screenplay. The family of Elvis Presley actually approved of this as well. Members of his family actually approved of this story and it brought them to tears and actually meant so much to them by the sounds of it. Critics seemed to love it, uh, mostly for Austin Butler's performance. Um, personally it's a dramatic whirlwind of a ride so I'd recommend this highly not just because I'm a Baz Luhrmann fan but because you should really just experience it because it's just an interesting way of telling an icon's story and it's quite tragic at the end of the day so you know if you like a bit of random hyped up music and mixed in with the original period stuff and you want to learn about Elvis Presley or at least a version of the story of Elvis Presley because obviously everything's subjective then I'd watch Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann film of 2022. So that's all I really have to say. Highlights, Trouble as a song, If I Can Dream, both the cover and the Elvis version, the 1968 comeback sequence, uh, King and I for the credits, and the cinematography by Mandy Walker, and the overall performance and direction of Austin Butler as Elvis from El Baz Luhrmann as well. I just think... It was a whirlwind of a ride, and if you love Baz Luhrmann's films like I do, you will enjoy this one. So I'd rate it probably about, I'd say four out of five stars, only because there are parts, even in the middle, where it felt a little bit sort of, woo, mixed up. Like, the beginning felt a bit mixed up in terms of going back between the old, the younger Elvis Presley, and then the sort of the early 20s Elvis Presley when he first gets discovered by Colonel Tom Parker. Tom Hanks isn't really, he's a main character, but he's always just there. He's like an annoying fan at the side that you don't really want to acknowledge, and Elvis is the main show. But that's my general feeling of the film. But that's why I have to say four out of five stars for the Elvis Presley biopic by Baz Luhrmann, and I can't wait to see what Baz Luhrmann offers us next. Uh, let's hope he does another film, because it took him long enough to do this one, even with a pandemic in the middle. So <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to it. Baz, bring on another film. And that's a wrap on Take 97, the Elvis Baz Luhrmann film edition of the podcast. And I will see you on the next episode, guys, for another fun film discussion and review to let you in on all the latest film stuff that you want to know and love. I'll see you later, guys. Bye-bye. And if you're looking for trouble, you come to the right place. <laughs> <laughs>